0: Okay. Good morning. So, can men come to empower? Can I not come? Oh, it, sounds, it sounds brilliant. All you got, I sat there thinking, I'd like to go to that. I'd like to go to that. Good morning, one and all. My name's Santino. I'm uh, also one of the leaders here of the church. So it's a privilege to be opening God's word before us, presenting it to us this morning. So, if you have a Bible with you, turn to Luke chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. The words are going to come up on the screen behind me so you'll be able to follow along. Just while we're, we're turning now, I'm going to pray. God's here. God's here. And I just pray for each heart in this building this morning. Wherever you're from, whatever backgrounds you might have, however you find yourself this morning, I pray for hearts to be changed. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're powerfully here with us. Thank you, Jesus, that you've rescued us from our sin. Thank you, Father, that you loved us so much that you sent your precious Son. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you reveal all this beautiful truth to us. So I pray you'd take my words, you take your own words, which are far more powerful, from your word, and you will change hearts and lives for Jesus' good name. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you to stay receptive this morning, because I know God's going to change us. I know God's going to change us. So, Luke 15. I hope you're there. It's going to come up behind me from verses 11 down to 24. Jesus continued. This is part of a long story. He's talking about things that are lost. He talks about a sheep, a coin, and now he gets to a son. There's actually two sons in the story, but it's the the end of a story. Jesus continues. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided up this property between them. Not long after that, the, the younger son got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything... There was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him out into the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating but no one gave him anything. Listen to this. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'm going to set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned. I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me, Father, like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said, Father... I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring that fattened calf out and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began... To celebrate. This is a beautiful parable. It's known as the parable of parables. A parable is basically a story and the stories that Jesus told. Jesus was known as the greatest storyteller in the world and he still is. And in this story we have two sons and a father. I didn't get to the last son. He's the religious one. This son is the rebel. What we tend to do, what you tend to hear, which is right, is you have two sons and you say, which son are you like? The rebel or the religious one? I think we miss the point of the story if we do that. I think it's right, but I don't think it's quite accurate. I think what Jesus wants to do is say, look at the dad. Look at the father. There's two sons that are jacked up in every way. They're completely lost. But look at the father. So that's what we're going to do today. Jesus came to reveal to the universe a wonderful dad. And it's not irreverent me saying that. He came to reveal to us a dad, a dad in heaven that loves his children. And Jesus says, I'm the way to this dad, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to him except through me. So he rolls out this story and it is completely profound. What we're going to do is we're going to look at attributes of this father in the story, looking at how it parallels to our father in heaven, this one that Jesus came to reveal. The first one, what we see, is a father that is slow to anger. Verse 12, the youngest son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided it up between them. This was a completely scandalous act. It was disrespectful, hurtful, but ultimately completely dishonouring of the father. Of the father, his name, the family, the community, it was scandalous. The boy was effectively saying, Dad, you're as good as dead to me. Stuff you, Dad. Whatever you've built, I don't really care. I want it. I want what I'm entitled to. I want the cash, and I want it now. That's effectively what the son was saying. The son had chosen his path. We see wild living. But look at the father's response to this. It's incredible. He takes this hurtful blow And he remains amazingly calm. Do you know how provoking this would have been in the day? This son should have been killed for this. He would have been stoned. At least rejected from the community for this dishonour. What about our culture? Dads among you. What about you? This really challenged me because I think to myself, I put myself in the good guys camp. But if my son had come to me and said, I just want your cash... I'm out of here. I would have been like, not, not me. How am I going to look before the church? How am I going to look before the community, my, my, our family? Tomo, you can't do this to me. Losing face. This father is slow to anger. And it was the father's love that held his anger back. What does Jesus want us to see here? A parallel between this father in the story and our Father in heaven. Jesus wants us to see an amazing side of God, that he is slow to anger. But do you know what? There's a flip side. It's like the coin. It's like a coin. And there's two sides on the same coin. Heads, slow to anger. Tails, because he's abounding in love. (laughs) You can't miss that. He is slow to anger, Because he's abounding in love. Throughout scriptures, we see the prophets, we see the psalmists saying God has been slow to anger because he's completely bonkers about love. He's abounding in love. He excels in love. He's overflowing with love. That's why he's slow to anger. That's why, church, that's why, world, we haven't been consumed. Because of God's amazing, limitless, bountiful love. He is slow to anger. Now, all of us have re- behaved to God like the sun. We do things our way. We re-ject, uh, reject him. reject him. That's a nice word. We reject him. We mock him. We dishonour him. We effectively say, there is no God. And I'm going to do things my way. And in God's amazing love, he holds back. He is slow to anger. But abounding in love. I want to hit the pause button just for a minute. Because some of it's just bouncing off you. I can look at you. Don't let it bounce off you. Let the Holy Spirit come and implant this deep within you. God is abounding in love for you. Let that wash over you. Yeah, you. You. He's abounding in love for you. Utterly, utterly abounding. From a God who is abounding in love, we see a father who's patient. This father must have been in turmoil. Imagine his pain, his worry, his anxiety. My son's gone. My son's gone. I have no idea where he's gone. But he loves his son and he waits patiently for him. What does patience look like? Not what we think it looks like. I wait patiently for hamburgers to be cooked. I wait patiently in a queue. I waited patiently for you to get ready. Patiently and I'm still waiting patiently for you to get ready. (laughs) That's not patience. We use this word, and it's so limited. This is what patience looks like. I take it from a book by Mark Stibby, which I'll quote often through this preach. Patience means the ability to endure evils without complaining. Evils such as toil, pain, poverty, insult, oppression, calamity, rejection. It comes from a Latin word meaning suffering. And it has the idea of being able to endure much, to be long-suffering. To be a patient person means to be a person who's able to endure, to endure severe blows and knocks without giving way to fury or flight. It's a great description. Let me read you a quote or a story from this book, The Father You've Been Waiting For. I highly recommend it. It will get your heart. The Father You've Been Waiting For by Mark Stibbe. I want to read you a story that's going to help sum up compassion. And it's a story called Daddy's Little Girl. The story begins with the words, Will you tell Daddy for me? A 17-year-old girl is pregnant, and she's asking her mother to tell her father. Having a very close relationship with her dad, and having always been Daddy's little girl, she knows that he will be utterly shattered. Her mother agrees and drops her off at the Christian minister's house as she tells her husband the news. Meanwhile, the daughter waits at the minister's house, being consoled and counselled, the minister not judging her praise with her as they wait. Then all of a sudden, the daughter sees the headlights arriving, headlights of a car arriving. The daughter, called Missy, runs into the bedroom and locks the door, but the minister gently reprimands her and says, "'Come out.' So she comes out trembling. She's not afraid of her father's anger. She's terrified that she'll be no longer Daddy's little girl. She hears footsteps on the sidewalk and a light tap on the door. Her lip quivers, followed by a flood of tears. She hides behind the minister's tall frame. Her mother comes in smiling, but her eyes are swollen with tears." And then he's there. Missy's father doesn't even stop to say a word to the minister. He strides straight past him and comes up to his daughter, gathers her up in his arms. He holds her close and whispers, I love you. I love you and I'll love your baby too. Missy barely manages to say it, but she replies, I'm sorry, Daddy. I love you so much. I know, says the Father, let's go home. And home they go. All fear gone. Missy knows that there are hard times ahead, but she also knows that she is still Daddy's little girl. It's hard for me to even read that as a father. But that's what compassion looks like. What does Jesus want us to see? That our Heavenly Father waits for us. He is waiting for us. He doesn't force himself upon us. He doesn't come and kick the door in and drag us out kicking and screaming. He doesn't start dictating to us and pointing a finger saying, what on earth have you done? Sometimes he simply waits. There is a patient, enduring, long-suffering waiting about God. This amazing creator of the universe that through the stars into space knows every one of you by name. Yet at times he chooses to sit back and wait. 1 Corinthians Corinthians 13.4 says, Love is... Anyone? Patient. I know we're English, but come on, let's let's get a bit Greek up in this place. Love is... Patience. God is love. So by definition, God is... Patient. We need to see this. Because we're not patient on ourselves. We're not patient on others, are we? But God is patient. And he waits. Personally, we've me and M have found the best way to win our children's hearts, because that's what it's about, God is wanting to win our hearts, is that we wait for them. And we let them choose what's right. Of course we discipline. We discipline our children in love. But sometimes we just... Wait for them. Sweetheart, I'm right here when you need me. I know you're hurting. I know you've made mess. But I'm right here when you need me. Because sometimes I go in too quick and Tom tells me just to clear off. But I say, okay, I'm there where you need me. I'm not going anywhere. I want you to hear it. God's voice, sweetheart. I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. You might have abandoned me, but I'm not going to abandon you. I know you're all eggy, and I know you're in a mess, and I know you've made mistakes, and I know you don't want me right next to you right now, but I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. 2 Peter 3, nine. the first part of the verse says, He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He just wants our hearts. He doesn't want our sorries. He wants our hearts, and he's patient with us. So, from one that's not angry with you, God is not angry with you. Do you know God's very, very nice? He—he's really nice. It challenges me to the core, but you need to hear it. God smiles over you. He delights over you, and he's really, really good. Adrian led us so brilliantly this morning. God is really, really good. Like, really good. Much better than you're thinking right now. He's much better than that. And you know what you're thinking now? He's much better than that. Just keep thinking, because you're never going to exhaust it. He's really, really good. I, I think that's quite good. You guys don't look that happy about it. A father that is slow to anger... One that is patient and he waits. And now we see a father full of compassion. Verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, the the son comes to his senses. What a plum I have been. What on earth have I been doing? I'm going back to Dad. I thought I could do it on my own. I have completely blown all his cash on wild living that I thought would bring me freedom. If anything, it ended me up feeding pigs. Is that how your life feels at times, going it alone? He says, I'm going back to Dad and I'm going to say, I have stuffed up, hands up. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him, had compassion on him, was filled with compassion, he ran to his son. Verse 20, what a great phrase, filled with compassion. Compassion engages the heart in action. I read you the wrong story earlier. Oh well, I'll move on. Compassion engages the heart in action. That story I read you about daddy's little girl was meant to come in here. (laughs) Nice one, Sam. That is what compassion looks like, okay? We'll forget the other story. Compassion engages the heart in action. In this parable, the father is moved with compassion for his son. He saw his son coming and he ran to meet him. Remember the story of Missy and her dad? She saw the, the father coming, the lights were coming, but he came running, he strided past the minister. Remember? Compassion engages the heart and forces the feet to move. The father's feet moved. It's my boy, he's turned back, he's come home. I can see him. He's far away, but I see him. He's come back. Now, as the son turned to his father, this is what we've got to see, the father was already seeing him. And the father turned to run for him. It wasn't an idle amble, as we can sometimes read this. And then the father ran to his son, like a funny little speed walk. Or he, he walks up to his son and, welcome back, a little handshake or a, one of those weird side-on hugs that us men do. I don't want to be all kind of, yeah, how are you? Yeah, I'm not going to put chest to chest, we'll just kind of, yeah. I do it, I do it all the time because I don't want to weird people out. But this is not what's happening here. We've got to see this. It wasn't an idle amble. The father went sprinting to his son. Do you know how how ridiculous this would have been? A father in that day would not have lifted his robe up with sandals on and sprinted. Ever tried sprinting in sandals? Who wears sandals? Come on. 53, 54, 55. He went sprinting to his son. What does Jesus want us to see? Just like the father in the story, both stories, the one with Missy and this story here. Our heavenly father is a dad full of compassion. He's absolutely filled with it. And this is the beauty he sees our pain. Do you know, he sees your pain. He sees your mess. He sees your sin. He sees all of your junk and he comes running. but he runs towards those that turn to him. No matter how far off you are, whatever you have done, as we turn back to him, what I'm talking about is as our hearts come back in alignment with him. It's a heart deal, guys. It's not a duty deal. It's not a performance deal. It's a heart issue. As our hearts shift, he comes running. There's principles throughout the Bible Throughout the Old Testament, we hear the prophet speaking, seek after the Lord and he'll be found by you. Listen to the principle. As we seek, he finds us. We're found by him. As we knock, the door is opened. In James chapter, 8 verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 8, it says, come near to God and God will come near to you. You've got to see the principle Personally, when my kids are hurting, I want to go running to them. Even when my my son, I talk about my son a lot because he's at the age where we have this dialogue. My daughter's still just eating bits of carpet. (laughs) As my son does all sorts of crazy things, I want to run to him. I want to run to him. And God wants you to know he wants to run to you. And he's so eager to run to you. It's not about getting it all right. Some of you here, I really feel this, some of you here are are duty bound. You're you're trying to do good stuff. You're trying to do good things. You're going to miss the point by a million miles if you do that. Just turn to him. (laughs) Come with all your baggage. And he'll come and take them. He'll run to you. James 5.11 The Lord is full of compassion and mercy, maybe that's you this morning, maybe you're here and you're feeling, not me. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, would you just come, just come in power, just come, he sees every single one of you, wherever you're at, he sees you, he knows you, whether you know him or not, he knows you, he knows you, and he knows you by name he knows you by name and he's looking at you this morning Holy Spirit would you just change hearts the Lord is full of compassion and mercy for you a father who is intimate, the next one verse 20 he went to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him beautiful, completely beautiful, don't know why I did that but it's a sign of beauty Listen to this. Threw his arms around him and kissed him. This is an understatement from this translation we've got in the NIV. The fullness of this word, when the father runs to his son, throws his arms around him and kisses him, is more likely this. Kissed his son repeatedly, tenderly and earnestly. How many dads do that here? Kiss your children repeatedly, tenderly, earnestly. And it's not one of those things that I said. He just came around and said, Hey, hey boy. Do you know the closest that we can get to it? Is the father jumped on the boy's neck. How beautiful is that? The father sees his son, runs to him, and jumps on his neck, jumps on his head, bundles him to the floor. You've got to see it. You've got to see this because he is a god of intimacy and affection. He runs to his son and basically brings him to the floor and smothers him in kisses. What does Jesus want us to see? Let's look at the parallel. That our Father in heaven is intimate and affectionate toward us. He's a father eager to bundle you to the floor. Yeah? (laughs) He wants to get hold of you. He wants to get hold of you and smother you in kisses tenderly repeatedly and earnestly. Many of you have no idea what that's like. He wants to get you. I want to read another quote by Mark Stebby. Deep down, the biggest spiritual need of our day is for intimacy, for the experience of loving and being loved. Intimacy experienced. Many here... Many Christians have the theological concept of God being dad, father, abba, father, without any experience of it. And it's just not good enough. It's just not enough. Theology is great, it will take us so far. But theology without experience is just religion. You need to experience your daddy, your abba, father, abba in heaven. So maybe you're here this morning, you have a theological concept, you're great at telling others, but you have no real interaction and intimacy yourself with the Father. Is that you? Personally, as a father myself, the one thing I know my children need, you need to hear this, they need from me, is affirming words and intimate touch. Okay? The world has robbed us of intimacy because it's abused it abused it. But my children need it. They need to be hugged, kissed and told that they're loved. It brings them, hear this, great security, and it brings me immense joy. That's our daddy in heaven. It brings us great security and it brings him immense joy. Immense joy. Tom, my son, you're my best boy. I often tell him that he's my only boy, so I can say that. You're my favourite boy. And often when he's done things that really get me, I say to him, I love you more than you could ever know. I love you more than you could ever know. Beth, my girly, my little princess that's never going to have a boyfriend. I love you more than you could ever know. Never, ever, ever, never, never. But I love you. And you live with daddy for the rest of your days. It won't, it won't work. No, it won't work. But you know, but that's the heart. You know, you dads, when you think, how far do I let my daughter go? Imagine your DABBA, Abba Father in heaven. With your children, with us. One thing that I make sure I do on a daily basis is tell my kids I love them. It drives my son potty. I often say, "I love you, boy." He says, "Yeah, I know that, Dad." I say, "Well, how do you know that?" Well, you told me about a million times. I tell you again, I love you, boy. I kiss his face. I kiss them daily. I bundle my son daily. I want you to know that. Sometimes I I, I jump on his head. Fourteen stone. Right onto his head. In a safe way. Because I, I want him to know his father's bear hug. Okay? I want him to know it. I want him to know that whatever life holds for him, this is how his dad meets him. Every day. I'm starting to do it with my daughter as well. She's a bit lighter, but I get great air with her. I can pick her up, swing her around, But I kiss her all over, princess, princess. Kiss her face, kiss her lips, kiss her all over. Daily. My house at times is just like one big bundle tickle fest. (laughs) It honestly is. It drives and dotty at times. At times I can hear just, guys, guys, take it easy. It's going to get out of control. Sometimes it gets completely out of control. God is an out of control God. He is an outrageous God. He's an outrageous, outrageous, out-of-control God. But he's safe. Okay? He won't break your head when he dives on it. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Intimacy is so vitally important, even for you, tough guy. Whoever you are, even for you. When we write things like, God loves us, people worry so much about the ooey-gooey-gooey thing that's going to put men off. It should draw you in, guys. Because your daddy in heaven loves you. Ladies, he'll treat you like the princess you are. Physical touch, so important. Positive affirming words, so important. Not many today have experienced that intimacy. Many say, I was never told I was special, never cuddled, I wasn't kissed, I wasn't told that I was loved. I was left rejected, abandoned, neglected. I know this is huge. Mentally, physically abused. Some here have been through horrendous things, I'm sure. But God in heaven can completely turn the tables on that. And you can receive a love of the Father that will sweep you off your feet and make everything new again. Your Father in heaven knows you inside out and he is full, full, full of loving, intimacy and affection for you. For you. Full of love. Full of love. And his love is perfect. And his love is pure. The last one, and I'm going to quickly rattle through this. A father who forgives and restores. Verse 21. The son said to his father, 21 to 23, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be killed your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick! Bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring out that fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Look at what happens here. The son is not shunned, criticised or rejected. He doesn't have to start from the bottom with the servants and work his way up. The father doesn't pull out a long list of do's and don'ts and all of his flaws like we do, dads. All of the son's flaws were not revealed. This is what happens quick, get the robe, the ring, the sandals, get that cow, kill it, let's party, let's party. My son was lost and he's found, he was dead and he's now alive again. He's come home to daddy. The son comes in to the father with sorrow, shame and guilt, I've blown it, with his head down and the father says, get up, quick, let's lift your head up, boy. And the Father meets him with forgiveness and restoration. the robe, the ring, the shoes, all a sign that the son receives covering. He receives forgiveness and restoration. He is reconciled back to his father and he's reconciled as a son. All of his mess, all of his shame, his guilt covered with new clothes, forgiven and restored, brought back in to the rightful position that the son that the Father always intended for him. What does Jesus want us to see? The parallel. That God in heaven, that our Abba Father, that our Father God is a God that forgives you and he restores you. Whatever you've done, God forgives you. He can forgive you. He will forgive you. Just like the Son, we come to our Heavenly Father with all of our stuff Our mess, our junk, our mistakes, our shame. Some of you are shrouded in shame and guilt. Just like the robe for the Son, and he puts a new robe over us. Jesus' robe of righteousness. All that the Son won for us at the cross, all that Jesus achieved, his death and resurrection, is now robed over us. When the Father looks at you, Graham, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus, his wonderful, sinless, spotless son. And he says to you, wow, look at my boy, because you are robed in his goodness. We receive new threads, new identity, new start, new position, the position that God has always intended us to walk into, to come into. Now many Christians, I'm going to close with this, many Christians know their pardon. I want you to hear this. Many Christians, maybe it's you this morning, know their pardon. You know you've been forgiven. You know your pardon, but you don't fully know your position. Many look at God as a judge, this judge in the sky that's watching good and bad, right and wrong. And we say that we don't believe in that God, but we do in the way that we act. And that's where it stays, a judge that pardons sin, which is absolutely right. But it's much more than that. Much more than just forgiveness, dare I say it. We are forgiven to receive friendship. I'm friends, I'm great friends with my children. Many of us say, many people say, you can't really be friends with your kids. Yeah, you can. If you're not friends with your kids, make that right. Go home and make friends with your children. We're saved for sonship. We're forgiven to experience father. We need to know God as daddy, not just judge. I love this quote. I can't remember who said it. We need to learn to come out of the law court and into the living room. Many of us just hang out in the law court looking great, presentable before the jury. We need to sort of sit back, watching the football with Dad, chilling, watching a film, enjoying the Father's company. I don't know your experience of your earthly father. I don't know what it is like. But I believe this story, this parable, is supposed to fly in the face of all of our bad experiences of an earthly father. And it's supposed to point us all towards a perfect heavenly one. Jesus came to the world to unveil and reveal an amazing dad. The greatest dad. The extravagant dad. The dad with unconditional love. Love that is completely outrageous. Love that is slow to anger. Patient. Filled with compassion. Intimate and affectionate. And a love that forgives And restores. I want to finish with one story. When me and my friend Brian here were in Bethel Church in Reading, in California, this is what struck me. One evening, this guy called John Arnott was preaching, preaching on the love of the Father. And I sat there, I must admit, and I thought, I've heard this before. It's not going to impact me. It was the most profound message I've ever heard. And it's changing me. It's changing me. Because I want to know God as daddy. I want to know him as Father. Not just Saviour. Absolutely, I want to know him as Father. And he asked this guy to come forward. He was just in bits, this chap. And he said, hey son, what's what's happening in you? And he said, he's probably about my age, he said, I've been a Christian five years and today for the first time I realise I'm a son. I think that's some of you this morning. Today for the first time... You've suddenly realised you're a son. It's not a gender-based thing, ladies. It's sonship. It's an inheritance. Daughter. You've suddenly realised you're a daughter loved by your Abba Father in heaven. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Joe, can you put that slide up, please? I just want you to look at that. Hopefully you've given some handout—a a handout today and it's just to go up in your fridge, to take away, put in your Bible. I want you to just reflect over these scriptures. The picture on the back is by a guy called Charlie McCasey, at HDB. He commissioned um, uh, Mark Stibbe to paint this uh, painting and Mark Stibbe put it in a stained glass window in the front of their church apparently because he said every time people come in they want to know that that's how God meets them. So whether you're a Christian here this morning, 50 years old as a Christian, 50 years you've known the Lord, or whether it's a few months, as you come in, or whether you don't know him, okay, as you come to God, your heavenly Father that's how he meets you. And from that position, he changes you. Okay? You don't change and then come. You come and he changes you. Amen? Can we stand? I'm just going to pray over us. Heavenly Father, I I pray right now by your Holy Spirit, thank you, Jesus, that you made the way back to the Father for us. (laughs) What an amazing saviour you are. What an amazing dad you are, God, that you would send your beloved son in the form of a human (laughs) with skin on. You'd come with skin on and you'd go to the cross for all of our sin because you loved us. Thank you that you are love. And thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. And I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would minister in this place. I pray you would wash over us this morning. I want to ask you right now for the Holy Spirit's role, okay, is to take from the Father and to reveal to you, to reveal to us. So I pray, Holy Spirit, would you reveal the Father's heart to us, the Father heart of God. The love of the Father. And I pray you do that in Jesus' name. 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 Oh, just feel to say these words You're my son. You're my daughter. In whom I love. In you, I am so well pleased. Holy Spirit, I pray, would you just come and change hearts? I pray that we'd know you as Father, Heavenly Father. Amen. Amen. I pray that you'd have a great day. Listen, this is how we're going to finish. We're going to close now. Please go and get some coffee, hang around. If you're visiting, please stay behind for a conversation with folk here. But I'd love to leave the opportunity for prayer. We're going to officially close the meeting, but if you'd like... I'm going to ask the pastoral deacons to come forward and some other friends of the church. If anything has impacted you today, if you don't know God and you'd like us to talk to you a little bit more about this God on the screen that you could come to, then come and speak to us. But if there's something about this love of the Father that has impacted you, please come down because we'd love to pray for you. Amen? Amen. Have a great day, church. See you next week.